This Week in HPC. Dell launches new PowerEdge server. And D-Wave doubles up on qubits. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman, and This Week in HPC is distributed through our friends at top500.org. How's it going, Michael? Very well, Addison. How's it going there? Doing fine, thanks. We had a couple of news items this week that are interesting as we get closer to ISC and releasing our new uh, market model and forecast. We have uh, one of the market leaders, Dell, who uh, I think we don't get to talk about as much as we really ought to, but they've got a new PowerEdge server in their C-series that uh, makes for a pretty effective HPC node here. Yeah, that's where it's being positioned. It's it's their HPC offering on the on the Power Edge side, and it replaces the uh, basically the Ivy Bridge Power Edge that uh, came out a year or so ago, and this is the uh, the new one, the Power Edge sixty three twenty. And C six C sixty three twenty C sixty three twenty. It comes with the uh, the latest Haswell Xeons, and so it gets that uh, bump in performance and power efficiency, which uh, is pretty significant in this case. And this is a, a non-accelerated uh, Xeon-only 2U chassis, right? Right. It's it's very sort of a very vanilla type uh, server these days. I mean, it's a it's a 2U server. They put they the stuff four nodes in it, dual socket nodes, but uh, otherwise it's it's just all sort of uh, you know straight up straight up Xeons. If you want the GPU acceleration, you buy their separate uh, C4130 uh, module, which comes with its own Xeons, plus up to four GPUs, and people are doing that, so it's it's just sort of a right. separate buy there. Yeah, we've talked about that C4130 before. That's the very dense uh, uh, dual socket four GPU version, but you're, you're referring to this uh, C6320 is vanilla. I think Dell would claim it's a pretty good tasting vanilla, though. They they hit 999 gigaflops on their single server Linpack performance, right? That, I, I was amazed they couldn't find one more gigaflop to make that a teraflop of Linpack in the <laughs> Yeah, in the two U, maybe they decided 999 gigaflops looks like more. Yeah, I mean they just couldn't squeeze out that extra gigaflop, but that's pretty impressive. I mean, two U, no accelerators, just straight up Xeons, and you get uh, you know basically a teraflop in a server there. I mean, a big server, but the server nonetheless. So um, yeah, there's going to be uh, some some big systems, and one big system we'll talk about in a little bit made out of this, but. Uh, we should say it, it, it not only has the new Xeons, it comes with a little more memory at, at maximum up to 512 uh, gigabytes per, per enclosure there, um, and a lot more cores since it's using uh, the 18 core versions of, uh, of the Haswell, so it's sort of the maxed out uh, high performance uh, uh, variants of that uh, CPU. And the interesting thing to me here is that Dell is among the companies capitalizing on the trend of high-performance technologies creeping out into the broader enterprise space or what we might call the high-performance data center 
that they're targeting this not only to traditional high-performance computing, but also some of the hyperscale markets that we look at, whether it's a ultra-scale internet or a cloud service provider. These hyperscale markets have really had a lot of influence in uh, the target market specifications of, of these new high-performance servers. Right. I think I think that's right. Although I wouldn't necessarily pitch this as as a hyperscale play. I mean, they're 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 talking about you know. Uh, web servers and, and cloud markets. I don't think it's going to go into these like mega data centers like what Google is is putting up. I mean, they're not buying, you know, sort of prefab things like this anymore. Um, but yeah, that's that's something. It's it is a more general purpose sort of uh, nuts and bolts uh, system that can go into some of these uh, these larger installations that uh, that are sort of outside of the realm of HPC. Now we're we're talking about the applicability to high performance data center, but you know throughout the press release, Dell is very clear that this is a high performance computing node, and in fact, it's got a traditional supercomputer that they've already built with it. Right. Uh, not too uh, too long ago, San Diego Supercomputing Center announced that they were standing up their Comet supercomputer, an NSF funded system. Uh, they got some money for it, and it basically came online in uh, April of this year. They couldn't talk about the specific uh, server system that was behind it, but now we know it's this, this power edge, this new power edge system. And it's a rather large system. It's two petaflops, so it's, uh, it's, not, it's not a small system, but it's, it's all done with this 72-node uh, rack, and I think there's 24 racks for the whole thing. Right, it's twenty. Well, it's twenty-seven racks of PowerEdge uh, C6320, 1,944 nodes. It's over forty-six thousand cores, and it's five times more powerful than uh, SDSC's previous uh, supercomputing system. So it's uh, right. definitely going to be up there on the top five hundred realm. That, does that system also have some GPUs in it? Is it mixed with the C4130, the GPU node? Yeah, it appears to be. Although they don't call it out, they have this these. Um, GPU nodes that that look or that are described a lot like these uh, these Dell 4130 C4130 systems. They've got a couple uh, couple Xeons and four GPUs. Uh, so it looks like. But that's only a couple, and you said 36 nodes out of almost 2,000. So right. it's still over 1,900 nodes of the predominantly the the C6320 that we're making this supercomputer out of. Yeah, exactly. Right. They just have these GPU nodes for some of those codes that that can benefit from that sort of acceleration. But mainly, it's it's Xeons. Yeah. So an interesting story, and interesting as you were calling it a traditional node. Now, for the other story, let's go to the completely non-traditional side of things. If we're talking about uh, you know a Xeon cluster node on the one side, what do we have in the world of quantum computing? Yeah, so there's some uh, quantum computing news, and you're right. I mean, this is totally uh, totally opposed to uh, vanilla clusters. This is all about this new quantum computing processor that D-Wave's come up with. They had a 512-qubit processor in their current system, and they've just uh, announced they've developed a thousand plus qubit processor that uh, that presumably will go into a new system in the near future. Yeah, a thousand plus. It's 
reported in their press release as a thousand, but uh, at least one other site back on their uh, on their website talks about it as actually eleven hundred fifty-two cubits. Now, are you, so it's only fifteen percent more than a thousand. That's right. actually noteworthy when you go from the the five the five hundred to the five twelve up to a thousand here, then up to a thousand eleven hundred fifty-two. That's not fifteen percent more. It's two to the fifteenth more, right? When you go from a doubling here is is not a, every every unit you go up from a thousand to a thousand one essentially doubles the theoretical performance of a of a of a quantum computer, right? Right, and in fact, that just a thousand qubits uh, gets them to a really good number. It's the it's basically the number of particles in the known universe. When they had five hundred twelve, you weren't anywhere close to that. So the, the power of two really works in their favor, and so this is a. This it's potentially a big advance for for D-Wave and these types of systems. Now, we should keep in mind, I mean, it's not what you'd call a truly universal quantum computer. They admit it's a quantum annealing system, so it's a little more limited in sort of the functionality. But right. It's uh, an annealing system. It's not an entangling system. Right. So it, it doesn't do quite, uh, it doesn't have quite the versatility of a, of a true quantum computer. But as we've, as we've noted before, there's a lot of companies interested in this technology. It does some very interesting uh, type of problems very quickly. So we've got Lockheed and uh, Google and a couple others that have sort of uh, partnered together and are, are kind of kicking the tires on some of the applications that can run on this thing. Am I allowed to call this a kilocubit? Does that work? <laughs> kilocubit? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's basically the we're idea at, here. We're at one kilocubit now, a, a kqb. We're going to really change our lingo here as we move into quantum computing. It's amazing to me how this really is going forward. I can remember, you know, more than a decade ago. Really, almost 20 years ago, we started looking forward to the the promise of quantum computing out there on the horizon. Then it kind of gotten forgotten for a little bit. And now it's been coming back. Uh, you know, they're they're talking about uh, really delivering these things for certain applications. Yeah, I think uh, D-Wave has definitely matured this product uh, to to a greater degree. In fact, they talk about some of the other parts of it. It's not just an increase in. Uh, Qubits here. They've got. Uh, they're using this this lower operating temperature. This thing runs basically close to absolute zero, and they've they've got the the new processor enclosure running 40% colder, so it's even closer than right. that. Right. That that kind of blew me away. That statistic, and it has all along with D-Wave. They they're they're running this. The previous generation that was running at 20 millikelvins, and then this one is 40% colder. This is colder than interstellar space inside this machine. Right. I think if you were actually inside the machine, you probably wouldn't notice the difference, but it, it makes a difference <laughs> to them because it runs more efficiently. You get <laughs> Right. Yeah. Hey, it used to be 20 millikelvins in here, and I think it's down to 12. It's really gotten yeah. colder. It's really turned up the heat here. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you get this reduced noise and, and things like that. Um, the, the thing to note here also, they've been able to get on a, a smaller process technology. This is the 25 nanometer now, so it's more advanced fabrication for this. Um, so they, they're sort of slowly pushing this technology forward, and certainly since nobody has come up with anything, you know, approaching this, they're sort of out out there by themselves uh, with their own market for the time being, at least. 
Well, they'll be having this on display at the uh, GeoInt conference in Washington, D.C. in the D-Wave booth. We won't be there ourselves. We're starting to load up for ISC, which is coming up we in are. a couple of weeks now. Yes, it's it's very soon, yeah. I don't this think... will be our, our first year in Frankfurt. Always fun to check out a new city. Yep. Yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah, I think it's a very popular destination. It's going to be a, a new experience for everyone there. But we'll have a couple more podcasts from uh, from the home offices here before we head out there. But uh, for now, I think that wraps up these two stories, a, a nice end to the first half of the year. And uh, we'll get ready to kick things off with the second half of the year next week. Excellent. All right. Thanks a lot, Michael. And thanks to you for listening. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. Listening to this week in HPC. 